All right, all right, all right. Well, um, we're on the last week of July, right in the hit and what would be the heart of the heat. Man, I'm telling you, it's been a smoker out there. But you're in the coolest church in town, so we'll we'll make it through this 75 minutes. I want to just remind you of a few things. Uh, number one, there's two times of the year that we what we call we call corporate fast where we ask everyone to join with us for a certain amount of days. And the first one is the one that starts the first Sunday of January, and then this, and that one's 21 days, and this one uh, starts the second Sunday of August, and that one's 10 days. I know for many of you, maybe fasting is something that's new, different, something that you're unfamiliar with. You might understand the term fasting, but never participated in the corporate fast. And if you can go to our website, you can go down, go to news and events, and on the drop-down box, you'll see a fasting and prayer guide. And there's a lot of information in there that talks to you about fasting, why we do it, why it's important, how to go about it. And there's even options. Some people will go with, uh, for those 10 days, some people may take uh, a portion of those days and just go with water. Some people may take 24-hour cycles where they just have liquids and and maybe no solid foods. Some people will just take every day where they just set aside a meal. Uh, And all those options are there. We just want you to participate in it. We're going to give you some things on Awakening Prayer Night, which is uh, August the 11th. That's when we're going to anoint everyone to go into the fasting. We'll give you some, some tips of things that we want you to pray for during those 10 days. And we're going to encourage you just to join with us, hear what God is saying to your life. It's good for us as a corporate body, but it's also good for you. It's times and seasons that you take where you want to posture yourself before the Lord, drown out some, uh, sorry, take away the things that could be drowning out some noise, whether it be TV programs or uh, yeah, TV as a whole, maybe meals, things that uh, for the moment you set aside, just spend some time with the Lord praying, asking God to guide your life, speak to you. We use the intercede for other people during that time. So, so you can go to the website, you can go to that drop down box, but again, we'll be sharing more about it each week, but we want to start to prepare you for that. Also, uh, they talked about the things that's in the, at the connect tents, financial peace, um, it's just so the testimonies that came out of the last semester of, of financial peace. I, I know I didn't ask the Weatherbees this, but I know they're, they're friends. I'm hoping to be able to get to record them. But uh, the, the, the things that they shared with me that happened in their life because of financial peace will bless every one of us. And they're not the only story. There's so many stories in here of people who've went through financial peace. We learn how God teaches us about money through the word, how we're supposed to respond with the money that God trusts us with, how we are to respond to the Lord in faithfulness and obedience. And I'm telling you this, God has never failed. First of all, God has never broken one of his promises, just so you know that. He never has broken his promise. But, but it never fails. If we do with what God trusts us with financially, I can assure you everything in your life will be taken care of because God keeps his promises. And some of us may need a little bit of help understanding what that is, and financial peace really does a great job of it. So same thing, you can go to the website, go to the news and events, go to the Dropbox, you'll see financial peace, and you'll see a couple of uh, video clips there of, of people's stories who have been through financial peace and uh, one couple who 
will be leading financial peace. And so I encourage you, if you're not in a, a, a city life group, if you're not in a small group, this would be a great one for you to be in uh, beginning September. And the women's, uh, we always hear great reports from the women's. They changed the name. It's now uh, Coffee and Conversation, right? It used to be um, Tease and Tether or something like that. I'm not sure. But but, but coffee and conversation now. But uh, whatever, those, whatever those gatherings are for the women, you're going to be blessed. I'll just tell you that. You're going to be blessed. You'll love it and you'll enjoy it. So all that information is there. Now, this is the last Sunday that we're going to do something physically to celebrate our 26 years uh, as a church. We are grateful that God has blessed us to be able to be in this community for 26 years. And... Um, you know, since since year 20, we've been doing different things that's blessed people, though we started in year 20, those who had been here 20 years, and uh, each year we've done something different. We may do something different next year, uh, but, this, but this year we've been blessing people publicly, and we're going to do the same, baby, if you'll come. Uh, it's, it's really my honor uh, to, this lady is, is absolutely the longest standing member of Church for the City. No one in the building outside of my children have been part of Church for the City longer than this lady, and we're grateful for her, her life, her testimony, and what God has done in her. And she comes, she's been alongside of us every step of the way, and we love you so much. Brenda Stevens, if you'll come. everything. You have been with us. You've been with our family. You've been faithful to CTC. Your testimony of CTC, even through the tough times, you are an example of speaking faith, speaking love, speaking hope. And uh, I know we talked about days. We would see what we're seeing now, but sometimes Brenda's hard to believe we're seeing what we're seeing now. But thank you for being with us every step of the way. Will you reach out your hands? Father, I want to thank you for this dear lady, her family, Lord God, her life, her testimony, her witness, her endurance, and uh, Lord, her love for you, Lord, her love for the people of God, her love for the house of God. And Lord, I pray you continue to bless Brenda in all things, Lord, that she does and every decision that she makes. I know that you are God that's faithful to provide for her. We pray for her business, that you'll continue to give increase in all of the help that she needs, whether it be support, whether it be uh, staff, whether it be employees, or whether, again, just the people being faithful to do what they've committed to do for the business. I just pray, Lord God, that you would bless her, keep her of good health. Lord, we want her to have longevity of days, enjoying this, the rest of the seasons of her life as you have ordered it, and we thank you for being glorified in her. In Jesus' name, may the people of God say amen. We're going to take, before we go into the message, we're going to take a moment now to pray for uh, the campuses and also for Grace Community Church, which is a local church in our, in our community. I'm also going to just pray for you. I want you to touch the person next to you in whatever manner is safe, uh, whether it be holding hands or just an arm on the shoulder or whatever is safe for you. I'm going to pray for some other things. I don't know. We, we never know what all may be going on in people's life. You may be sitting next to somebody and you know the things that they're praying about. And so we ask you to pray for them during this time. But if you don't know them and you're not sure, just 
pray God's blessing upon them, God's grace and God uh, to help them. This is the house of prayer and we want people to know that we love enough to pray for you. So let's go before the Lord. Father, it's so good to be in the house of God. It's good to be in a place where the spirit of the Lord is dwelling. We know that you're here. Your presence is here. Lord, and when your presence, Lord, we experience the fullness of joy. We experience healing. People come to a place to recognize you as Lord and Savior. There's revelations that comes. People hear the word of God and the truth that speaks to their life causes them to respond and to say yes to you. Lord, we get to celebrate things. See, we celebrate births. We celebrate baptisms. We celebrate people who've been with us for a long time. We, we just love to celebrate because you are God that's given us a reason to celebrate. You saved us. You redeemed us. You washed us. You cleansed us. You've forgiven us for all of our sins. You've given us a hope of eternity. The Christ, the hope of glory is living in us. And Lord, we come here to glorify and magnify your name. Thank you for making us a community, a community of people, Lord God, that's been brought together by the love of God, the Holy Spirit, Lord God, and the community that's been brought together by us loving and embracing one another. May we enjoy the rest of our time in your presence through the word. And Lord, we do pray for our other campuses, for Mexico and and, uh, Shondiger and for Guiani. Pray, Lord God, that you continue to work in the lives of those pastors and the, their families, that the churches will continue to increase. We also pray for Grace Community Church, uh, Grace Community uh, Nazarene Church here in town, in the foothills. Pray for the leadership, pray for the pastor. Pray, Lord God, that they would really have an impact in their part of the vineyard where you have placed them, that people will be drawn there and will hear the word of God and will, they will see life transformation. We ask for every every church in our city to grow as Christ is being glorified. Father, we're touching hands and and various ways we're we're touching people now. We we don't know, we may not know what's going on with that person who, who we're touching, but you know. I pray, Lord God, that you minister to them. I pray, Lord God, that they hear your voice. I pray that they have the courage to make the right decisions. They have the courage to step out on faith. They have the courage, Lord God, to trust you in what might look like a fearful situation or a situation of doubt or a situation of concern. Lord, that they will trust you, that you will heal those who need to be healed. You would bring peace to those who are struggling either with anxiety. You'll lift up the spirits of those who are carrying depression. We pray, Lord God, for a holistic work of the Holy Spirit as we touch those that we love, declaring that Jesus Christ is Lord over your life and he's the sovereign God that's able to help you and be with you and he promised he will never leave you or never forsake you. Lord, be with me as we bring the word of God. Be with Philip, Lord God, as he brings the word. And I pray that you, Lord God, help us to connect with those, Lord God, who are here to hear what you have to say. It's in Jesus' name we pray. May the people of God say amen. Why don't you go ahead and give God a hand praise or a shout out? He's certainly worthy. So we're going to do something different today. Um, we're, I'm going to begin the message and get into it. And Philip uh, will jump in. Virginia and I will be heading to the airport. Philip will jump in and, and uh, finish the message. Uh, the title of this message is hashtag just love. Just love. It's the last of our of our This Is Us series, and we've talked about mission, we've talked about our values, we've talked about vision, but the substratum of everything we do, of course, comes from love. I want you to turn, if you would, to John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. John 13, 
verse 34 and 35. And I do believe that most of the verses will be on the screen. Uh, but of course, we encourage you, we love you to, want you to, to bring your Bible. Oftentimes, there's verses that we don't have on the screen. But uh, as a Christian, can I just be honest with you? It's just good to carry a Bible. I didn't get enough. I didn't get enough. I didn't get enough. Listen, that plane ain't more important than you. So I'm going to say this again, and I better get a little amen so I can just kind of, how many know it's good for Christians to carry their Bible? Amen. Amen. John 13, 34 and 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I've loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Can you say amen? Uh, you know, it, this, we've, this message is probably, the substratum of it's probably been prepared five weeks ago or so, or maybe a, a little bit longer when we knew where we're going, series-wise. And it's not uncommon when, uh, when whatever I'm preaching that I get tested by the very thing that I'm going to be preaching. <laughs> yeah, that's a come on, it hurts. But it's the truth. But uh, yeah, but it's, it's not uncommon that uh, before I hit that message, I'm going to be tested in that very category. And, and without fail, and this one, in response to a, circum situ a certain situation, um, I was certainly tested in my expression of love in this. Uh, as I started in that process, um, I was reading something, and this lady said in, in, in her article, she said that she had lost her phone. And her biggest concern was, of course, getting her phone back. And sure enough, some folks found her phone, and they got her phone to her. But then she said once she got her phone back, the, the next concern she had was, did they see what I have been texting to people on my phone. In other words, <laughs> in other words, she was concerned if someone read, this was a Christian lady, if someone read the things that she was sending to other people, what would they think about her? Uh, are y'all following me? Uh, if someone could see what I'm sending, I thought about that because thank God, all of my communication during this testing time was to my elders. But when I read that article, I grabbed my phone to see what would people think about me if they read these messages that was on my phone that's being sent to somebody. Y'all looking at me like y'all ain't never had that trouble. I know how y'all are and we all do it. And oftentimes we'll have conversations with someone or we'll, we'll be engaging with someone and we won't tell them what we're thinking. But we'll send a text message to somebody we trust. Man, I just met with that dude and he's an idiot. You know, y'all, come on now. Y'all pay me to be honest. Y'all pay me to be honest. And, and, so, and so it's a fact that, that who we are should be expressed in everything that we communicate, in everything that we communicate. And Jesus is clear to us as Christians that we're to be loving in all occasions and at all times. As, as a matter of fact, um, 
when I think about that situation, I, I think if somebody read my text message, would they know that I'm a Christian pastor? Would they, would they think, would they read those and think, does this guy love anybody? Or would they read those and think, man, this, 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 this guy, I don't know who he is, but he's a pretty good guy or she's a pretty good gal. Jesus is saying, if we practiced what he tells us to practice, there should never be an occasion where anybody would ever question whether we love. There would never be an occasion. So Jesus says this in John chapter 13. He says, I'm going to give you a new commandment. And that is that you love one another as I have loved you. Now, on the one hand, you may think, what, why would it be a new commandment? Did, was love something that they didn't practice until Jesus came? And the truth of it is, love was something that was taught even from the beginning uh, of the law or when the people of God became a community. He taught them, Leviticus 19 says, that you're to love your neighbor. And, uh, and then we, we can follow up in other passages in the Old Testament that kind of reflects the same thing. And then we get to Mark as Pastor uh, Jacob read, and it says we're to love the Lord our God and love our neighbor as we're to love ourselves. So it's not like there was, it was, he was saying, I'm gonna, tell you some, I'm gonna tell you to do something that you've never done before, and that's love others. But it's a new kind of love because of the manner of how that love now is derived and who that love is to. So for example, let me tell you this, some of the, some of the properties of love of being kind and being gentle and, and uh, being honest and having humility, those are things actually that people can do that are just moral. They're just moral people. And some of those practices and things can be done. But Jesus is saying here, because they've watched his life and they've watched the relationship that he's had with the father. They understand that this love is beyond just being nice and good to people externally. There's something that comes from the inside, something that comes from the inside that takes you beyond being good and nice and gentle to people who are good and nice and gentle to you, but being loving to people even when people don't show you no love at all. It's a new kind of love because even in the Old Testament, there was things, if somebody, if somebody, uh, if, if, if somebody uh, broke your arm, you can break their arm back. And uh, somebody stole from you, you can go take back. You, you know how, how, the, how, how it was. But Jesus says, I'm giving you a new kind of love. I'm giving you a love that you have seen with me in my relationship with the Father. And I'm giving you, a, I'm telling you to have a love that you've seen me practice even when people here around us don't like me. I still show love to them in spite of how they treat me. It's, it's a new kind of love because it's a love that comes from being a new person. It's a new kind of love because it's a love that comes from being, being a new, being born again. It's a new kind of love because it's a love from becoming a person that's in the secular world and the earthly kingdom to being people that's in the new kingdom and that's the kingdom of God. It's a new kind of love because it's not a love that they've ever seen displayed in all of their life of being a nation of Israel because you always did right for right, wrong for wrong, but Jesus says, this is a kind of love that you've seen me practice, which is 
unconditional, love that's sacrificial, a love that has no strings attached, a love that doesn't just love people of the nation of Israel because that's who we are, but love that loves the people of Judea and the people of Samaria. In other words, it's not a love that just loves the black people because I'm black, but it loves the white people and it loves the brown people and it loves Hispanic people and it loves the migrant people and it loves the people in Europe. It's a new kind of love because it takes me out of my comfort zone of being who I am to be kind and being good to people, to loving people no matter what. Am I talking to the right, to the right church? It's a new kind of love. And so Jesus says, I'm, I'm telling you, this is how this, is, this has to be. And, and you, it begs the question, as a matter of fact, as you look further with the conversations with the, with the disciples, they, they ask this question in more of an uh, indirect kind of way, but how do we love like that? And, and, and Jesus defines to them, especially to Peter in John chapter 20, about this whole word of agape love. Agape love means unconditional. Uh, but but here's, here's the point that, that uh, Jesus is making with this word, love. It's not a feeling. It's a verb. It's an action. In, in other words, Jesus is saying to you, I'm going to give you a commandment, a new commandment, that you're to love one another, that you are to show love and be loved and do love to others, not because I feel like it. Not because of feelings, but because that's what we do. It's an action word. It's a verb. And, and, and so, in other words, what Jesus, let, me, let me put it like this. There's some things that, for me to be different, the Lord has to work on the inside and the inside only. So, in other words, the only way my thinking can get changed is God working on me on the inside, Right? But there's some things that God does from the outside. In other words, he's doing his work on the inside because I'm born again. But there's some things that the Lord has to temper me from the outside so that I would do the right thing. And love is one of them. Let me just put it like this. I don't always feel like doing the loving thing. But ver the verb says, fake it till I make it. Somebody said, well, I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't want to fake it. Do you not want to obey Jesus? That's the question. You can say, well, I don't want to be a hypocrite. How about, do you want to be disobedient? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Got all in your Kool-Aid today. All up in it. So Jesus is saying, I'm not telling you to go out there and do like I do because you feel like it. Do you think Jesus felt like going to the cross? Do you think Jesus felt like being beat and whipped and spit on and mocked when he knew he could have blew on those rascals and blew them down? It wasn't a feeling. Jesus is saying, this is agape love. I'm not doing it because I feel it. I'm doing it because this is what we do. It's just what we do. Now, let me just flip the switch a little bit and take you to what Paul said. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 11. He says, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of, the, all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, 
But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. So look at the extraction of that. Paul is basically saying, we as believers, if we don't have love, all we say is ineffective if there is no love. Paul is saying, if we don't have love, everything I know is insignificant. If we don't have love, everything I believe is insufficient. If we don't have love, all I give is incomplete. And if we don't have love, all I accomplish is inadequate. It's inadequate. I'm insufficient, inadequate, uh, that I'm ineffective, I'm incomplete, and I'm, and I'm in- insufficient. All of that if we don't have love. And so then Paul says, listen, this is what love does. This is what love does. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not rude or arrogant. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. And it's, it's, a, it's a broad statement that Paul makes about love because he's, he's basically saying love really is broader than probably most of us comprehend. And it's incredibly patient. And of course, you know, it's, it's easy to be patient when, uh, when someone is doing the things that you want them to do. But it's incredibly patient. Love is gentle, is what he's saying. It's always consistently kind. It doesn't brag about your own achievements. It's not trying to make anybody else feel less than because you can boast about who you are or what you've accomplished. It doesn't self-inflate itself. It does, it's, not, it's, it's not one who says, I'm more important than others. Love doesn't traffic around in shame or shaming people or disrespecting people or having its own honor. It doesn't, it's not easily irritated or uh, doesn't even take delight in other people's wrongs. Love never stops believing. It never stops hoping. Love, love doesn't stop in failure. Love never gives up. When I thought about those things in those verses, I just jotted down a few things. And again, I'll turn this over to Philip in a heartbeat. But I, I thought about something about gravity. Anybody knows if you drop anything, hold a ball, anything here, it's going to go down because that's what gravity does. And I'm telling you, the flesh has a gravitational pull against the things of love. The, the first reaction of our flesh is not to be loving the first reaction of our flesh is downward spiral, to be counter to what is love. And we have to learn how to defy the gravity of the flesh. Whenever people do us wrong, whenever people say things that are not right, whenever people do things that are unloving, there's, there's, a, there's a battle that goes on within your inner man. Because remember, the Christ in you is crying out spiritually, love, 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 love. Your flesh is saying, I ain't thinking about that. I'm thinking about getting even. I'm not thinking about that. I'm thinking about why you embarrassing me in front of folks. I'm not thinking about that. I'm thinking about how I can respond to what you did because that's the right thing or fair thing to do. And so we have to learn how to defy the gravitational pull of the flesh. Now I can go into a whole lesson about the Holy Spirit because that's what it does. And I'm here to tell you right now, every moment of your life, there's a battle going on between the spirit and the flesh every moment of your life and the whole concept of the flesh. The flesh doesn't like you. That's a new concept for some folks. The flesh doesn't like you. 
because the flesh is trying to get you to do everything counter to what God wants you to do. The flesh doesn't like you. Now, the flesh will let you get all pampered up and looking good and looking sharp and looking nice and, hey, look at me. At the same time, that same flesh, it's all about getting honor and doing things for you when the Spirit of God is saying, how about me? How about me? And you got to resist that gravitational pull of the, of the flesh. But here's another thing uh, about that, and that's a constant battle, a constant thing. But here's, here's another thing. I've been in uh, um, counseling sessions or talk to people, parents with their children and husbands and wives, and sometimes you hear some negative statements like, well, pastor, he always does this, and it's usually a negative, or he never does this, or she'll say, pastor, he always does this, or this is something that he will never do, or those, those negative. But you know, there's, this, this pastor has some positive always. And because when it says, uh, hopes all things, uh, loves, when it says, um, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, that's what we're reading in English. The Greek construction really says it this way, always bearing things, always believing things, always hoping for the best, always enduring to the end. It's a legitimate always. There's some things that should be said about our life that in, instead of Virginia saying, Tyrone always does this, which she doesn't say, thank God. Tyrone always does this. I would love for Virginia to say, Tyrone always is loving. Tyrone is always hoping for the best. Tyrone is always believing for the good. Tyrone is always enduring things. It's a legitimate always. There's some always you won't always said about your life. You want people to say you're always loving. Am I talking to the, to the right church? And then the, the last thing here before uh, Pastor Philip uh, comes up is this thing about enduring to the end. There's, there's experiences that we have in our Christian life. And some of those experience supernatural things that are, man, just absolutely wonderful. I, I, I wonder, you know, well, I not wonder, I, I hope for. There's obviously been times in my Christian life where I've laid hands on people, whether it's been cancer or different things, and those folks have got completely healed. Same time, I've laid hands on people and believed God was going to do something, and they passed away. Sometimes I feel a spirit of prophecy, and man can roll with it. Other times, man, I'm, I'm just hoping I can get a word of prophecy and nothing. And, and all of us, I think, in your Christian life, you have those seasons where you have experiences. But love is not like that. Love ain't an experience. Love is a never-ending thing. It's always constant and consistent because love never ends. It's the one trademark of your Christian life that never should ebb and flow. It's never in seasons. Love should always be love and always working. Y'all doing all right? Now, let me make this uh, last statement, and I know I've probably said that three times. Then I'm going to bring up Pastor Philip, but for the third time, let me make this last statement. Because, listen, here's the issue. None of us can do this on our own. There is a source of love. There is a source of love, and without this source, it wouldn't be possible. And, and going back to John, look, listen to what he said in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. He said, beloved, let us love one another. Same command we read in John 13. But watch this, for love is from God. 
and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Now, there's a couple of things that can be said about this, a few things. Uh, and one is this, obviously, and we'll hear more about that. Love does come from God. But this is also what the scripture is saying. To, to absolutely understand love and be loving, as the scripture says, you must be born of God and know God. It has to be a real experience in your life. I'm talking about going beyond being moral and doing good things because you see that it's good, but I'm talking about loving and being loving even when it doesn't even seem like you ought to be loving. There's only one way you can do that and that's to be born again by the spirit of the most high God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. He is love. Now, how many of you ever seen the movie Interstellar? Any of you ever seen that movie? Quite a few of you. A good handful of you. I'm going to show you a clip of Interstellar. A couple of clips kind of run together. And uh, Pastor Philip is going to pick that up and take this thing to the end. But this movie is about uh, Matthew McConaughey and Anne Hathaway are some of the key characters you're going to see here. And Jessica Chastain, I believe. But it's, it's, the setting is on earth. And earth has been just about totally destroyed. And it's at a point where they realize earth was not going to be habitable much longer. And so they have been planning on how mankind can get from earth, a place that's dying, a planet that's coming to an end, to a place where they can live eternally. And so now the last thing has just occurred on the earth that looks like it's going to wipe out the rest of the people and wipe out the planet. Because they saw this coming, they sent 12 astronauts into this wormhole towards Saturn to find the, this, this planet where mankind can live for eternity. Now that they need to go to where these 12 people are, I think nine of them have died already. Maybe 10 of them have died. One, they get word, has just died while uh, they're getting there. And then there's one more planet where somebody's living and that planet is, is ran by the man. Well, his name is Dr. Man. He's got all the scientific evidence that they can live on that planet for eternity. But there's a conversation that takes place where Anne Hathaway is saying to Matthew McConaughey, there's something, something about love is drawing me to this other planet. And I believe it's that planet where we can live for eternity. And that conversation is where we pick up and Philip will pick up after that. Scientist Brand. So listen to me. When I say that love isn't something we invented, it's observable, powerful. It has to mean something. Love has meaning, yes. Social utility, social bonding, child rearing. We love people who have died. Where's the social utility in that? None. Maybe it means something more, something we can't yet understand. Maybe it's some evidence, some artifact of a higher dimension that we can't consciously perceive. I'm drawn across the universe to someone I haven't seen in a decade who I know is probably dead. Love is the one thing we're capable of perceiving that transcends dimensions of time and space. 
maybe we should trust that, even if we can't understand it yet. There's no service. No. I tried to do my duty, Cooper, but I knew the day that I arrived here that this place had nothing. And I resisted the temptation for years. But I, I knew that if I just pressed that button, then somebody would come and save me. All of this is one little girl's bedroom every moment. It's infinitely complex. They have access to infinite time and space, but they're not bound by anything. They can't find a specific place in time. They can't communicate. That's why I'm here. I'm gonna find a way to tell Murph, just like I found this moment. How, Cooper? The love, Tars, love. It's just like Brand said. My connection with Murph, it is quantifiable. It's the key. What are we here to do? Find out, tell her. the data into the movement of the second hand. Thank you, Pastor Tyrone, for your uh, tremendous message. Um, blessed to have you and uh, serve under you and be able to share this stage with you. So how many of you have seen that movie? Again, I didn't look at and see, see the hands up. Okay, not a whole lot of you. So if, if any of you were intending to see that movie, I'm sorry that spoiled a good chunk of the, uh, <laughs> the significance of that movie. Um, but continuing that, I, I want us to look again at some of the moments presented in those clips. So I, what I believe is probably the most crucial moment of that film uh, is that conversation in that first clip talking about love. Um, a lot of times, us as people, we have our own definitions of what we believe love to be. We usually try to fit it into a box, into our own words, into our own uh, categories. And what they were discussing in that clip is love is, there's gotta be something beyond that this love represents that we can't box in because there's characteristics that we don't exactly understand completely. And so what happens in that clip is they end up kind of ignoring her, her, uh, her definition, and they end up traveling to uh, what you saw was the next planet. Uh, that was founded by a, a, a doctor named Dr. Man. That's, that, that's his name, Dr. Man, and he represents the best of humanity. That is man's best. That is mankind's smartest guy. That is, that is the best that mankind has to offer. 
they go to his planet and they find out that the data he was sending was fake. It was all a deception. And so, and so with that, we find that, that there's a trust that they put in the evidence of mankind rather than a faith in this supernatural, um, supernatural force called love. And one thing that Titus chapter one, uh, verse two says, this truth gives them confidence that they have eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised them before the world again began. Love is infinite, it's eternal, it's beyond us. So we're finding characteristics of somebody in this force called love. Isaiah chapter 57 says, the high and lofty one who lives in eternity. The holy one says this, I live in the high and holy place with those whose spirits are contrite and humble. I restore the crushed spirit of the humble and revive the courage of those with repentant hearts. So all that to say, we fast forward. Uh, The crew decides to trust in the word of man. They're deceived. Um, Psalm chapter 118 Verse eight, it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. So continuing, we find McConaughey's character. Um, After leaving that planet, they have barely enough fuel to make it back to Earth to save the rest of mankind and to find the planet that Anne Hathaway's character wanted to go to based on this force called love. So they end up splitting at some point in the movie where she's headed off to that planet and he's headed off to uh, Earth because they still need to rescue mankind on that planet so they don't die from the, um, this catastrophe that's taken over that's destroying the planet. And what happens is he's, transport, he's transported into this kind of eternal perspective that he doesn't quite understand. And um, he has to send a message to his daughter in the past. I know this is getting kind of confusing. Believe me, I'm going somewhere with this. Um, he has to send a message in the past of coordinates of where this new destination for mankind to live in eternity is. And the way he does that is through this unseen force called love through this eternal realm. And what happens is he, 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 he sticks his hand in this, in this kind of book, you know, kaleidoscope dimension thing into the past. And because of this force, he's able to defy gravity, communicate to his daughter in the form of a ghost the ghost then tells her these are the coordinates of where the salvation of this planet is. And so what happens is through that connection, she's able to tell the rest of the world, hey, I found the salvation of mankind. And it was through this relationship. So the salvation of mankind didn't depend on the methods or the research or, 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 or the strides of man. It was through a relationship and through the eternal perspective of this unseen force called love that they don't understand, but they grasp just enough to be able to utilize that to get mankind salvation. It was completely dependent on the trust of her father's love and the guidance of his ghost. And as you saw in that last clip, uh, when, 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 she, when she says, no one believed me, they didn't, they, they, they didn't know how I was getting these coordinates, but I knew who it was. It was through her father's ghost. And how did she know that that was her father's ghost? and that she would come back because he promised her. So through his promise, she trusted in his promise, received the power from his ghost, and was able to lead the rest of humanity to their salvation through this connection of love. So what is love exactly according to God? So we're gonna look at some, 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 some scriptures to, to see representations of the way God loves in the Bible. Uh, Charles Spurgeon famous preacher said that if there was one subject he would always speak of, 
but one he felt utterly incapable of. It was the love of God. He said, this love of Christ is the most amazing thing under heaven, if not in all of heaven itself. And then if you look in scripture, um, everyone, everyone who glimpses the love of God has no words to describe. Paul says it surpasses knowledge. David said it's as high as the heavens and deeper than the deepest oceans. All that we experience of God's love is but a fraction of how incredibly ama- amazing it is that the band can come up if you guys want. Um, yeah, no, come up. <laughs> so, so we're gonna look at some scriptures. Uh, De- Deuteronomy chapter seven, these aren't gonna be on the screen, but you can write these down in your notes. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your ancestors that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. God's love is beyond reasoning. It makes no sense. There's nothing that the nation of Israel could have possibly had done to earn it or to receive God's affection, God simply chose them because he loved them, because that's who he is. And he kept his promise to them by continuing to provide for them and continue to rescue them and save them. And and in spite of all the times they worshiped their idols and and ran away and said, no, God, we don't want you as our king. We want a human king. All these different instances we see in scripture, God still relentlessly pursues them. We look at Hosea chapter three. Then the Lord said to me, Go and love your wife again. So what happened was, 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 was God had, had, had told the holy man, his name was Hosea, to go and marry a prostitute. And um, it says, go, go and love your wife again, even though she commits adultery with another lover. This will illustrate that the Lord still loves Israel, even though the people have turned to other gods and love to worship them. So I bought her back for 15 pieces of silver and five bushels of barley and measure of wine. He was, already, he was already her husband. She was already married to him. She already belonged to him, but he bought her anyway. He bought her back out of the mistakes she had made because he loved her relentlessly. God's love never gives up, even when it doesn't make sense, even when it seems like this, this should not be happening. I'm sure people were thinking, Jose, what are you doing, man? Are you, are, look, like, you're making a fool out of yourself by doing this. But he loved her anyway. We, we go to a very famous scripture. You guys know this one. Uh, most of you know this one. Luke chapter 15. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will go, I will set out and go back to my father and, and say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, he wasn't even close. He had not done nearly enough to get back to the affection of his father. He was still a long way off. His father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw up his arms around him, and he kissed him. He hiked up his robes and ran after his son. He would shame himself and make himself a fool in front of the entire community simply because he loved his son that much, the same son that wished he died because he said, I want my inheritance. In that culture, when you ask for your inheritance while they're still alive, you're basically saying, I wish you were dead so I can get what my, uh, get what my inheritance is. And, he, and in spite of that, he made a fool out of himself in front of the entire community simply because his love was that relentless. God's love goes so far as to become ridiculous and shameful. God isn't finished yet though. God is preparing to communicate this message so clearly in scripture that he does the unthinkable and goes to the furthest extreme to convey that what is our only hope of salvation 
through his nature called love. When there was no reason to redeem us, no chance of us saving ourselves, God completely emptied out the best of heaven. His son came down in flesh through eternity, brought himself to the lowest shame of mankind just for a chance to get back to the Father. When there was absolutely no way, God made a way out of nothing while we were still sinners. The Son of the eternal God dies for us. It's crazy love, guys. It's crazy. There was nothing within our own power that we could have done to find God or reach God other than the Holy Spirit guiding us in His love, wooing us, finding the source of salvation. Finding the source of salvation wasn't even possible within us. We couldn't even do it ourselves. We can't even take credit for finding salvation. It's only through the drawing in of the Holy Spirit. Only through the Holy Spirit. Only through the work of God. But but here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is where the power comes in. God has shown us his display of love by death and resurrection of his son. But that's not all. God says there's a true power in this love that he's defined as himself. Now remember, love is not God, but God is love. And this is where the power lies. It has the ability to resurrect and change us, to transform us. It's another story. Saul of Tarsus in the book of Acts, he's no different than the Pharisees that condemned Jesus to death on the cross. In fact, he does the same thing to his followers. He's in complete approval and support of death of Christians. There until one day on the road to Damascus, he has an encounter with Jesus himself. He's blinded by him, goes to see a man named Ananias. Ananias finds Saul, hears from Jesus and responds, but Lord, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to believers. He's saying, God, what are you talking, why, why this guy? Out of all the people you're choosing, you're choosing this man? This man hates your people. He's proven that. He's in support of the death of your people. He's authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord says, but the Lord says, Go for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings as well as to the people of Israel. God says, I don't care. I love Saul. I love him. I know what he's done. I've seen everything he's done, but I love him and I've chosen him as my messenger. God's love is redeeming no matter who you are. You know what happens? Saul becomes the apostle Paul, becomes arguably the greatest follower of Christ to ever, to, to ever live and wrote a majority of the New Testament. Some of you in this room used to sell drugs on the streets and now you're handing out invite cards and inviting people to your life groups and and spreading the good news. Why? Because but God, where you're on your way to destruction, but God came in. Some of you were adulterers and now God is using you to prepare marriages and families. So many of us were headed nowhere, but then when there was no way, God opened up a portal, God opened up a space in eternity where the Son of God came in the flesh, gave His life, brought the best of heaven so we could have a chance to have a relationship with the Father, to bring us back to our Creator. Reconciliation. God fulfilled the promise. God fulfilled the promise. Tell the world of the treasure you found. Tell the world of the treasure you found. John chapter 4, this one's on the screen. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Because we've been so loved, we can love the rest of the world. 
not within our own strength, not within our own power, but because of what God has done in our lives and because the Holy Spirit has given us the ability to. You guys see this? It's a funnel. We're not just pouring out. We're funnels. God pours his love through us into other people and it connects us all like a river and it leads right back to reconciliation with the Father. There's other gomers out there. There's other prodigals out there. There's other souls out there. God wants us to go out and tell them, hey, you are loved. There is a way out. There is a way of hope. There is a way of salvation. And there is a new life found birth out of love. You, you, you know, it's funny. It's gonna, I'm going to get kind of weird here, but isn't it interesting how when, 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 two people love, when two people love each other, they have a baby? You know what that is? That's life being birthed out of love. That's what it was. Life was birthed out of love. So anyone who's, anyone who's in this place, we're going we're gonna to close right now, uh, running a little late on time, but anybody in this place, maybe you thought, man, I, I, don't, I, don't, know, I don't know where I was born. I really don't know, know where I was born. Um, I don't know what my purpose is. I, I, I feel like I haven't received any love from anybody. Don't waste this opportunity. I believe everybody in here is here for a reason. I believe the Holy Spirit is drawing you in. Don't ignore that. The love of God is pursuing you. He's been pursuing you. Maybe in areas that you didn't think he was around because of how dark the time was, God has been pursuing you and he is drawing you in to a love that you can never understand, but that you can receive. We don't understand it, but we receive it anyway. Because that's who he is, guys. That's who he is. So if anybody in here, if anybody in here wants this, says, you know what, I, 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 I've been running for so long on empty, and I want to I, I, I know what it's like to feel this amazing love. Just put up your hands. Altars will be open for people to pray for you. Amen. We're going to say a prayer. The band's going to lead us into a song, and altars will be open. The, the altar worker's coming. Lord God, we thank you for this amazing love that surpasses our understanding that transcends time and space. That's beyond anything that we can comprehend. But we're thankful, Lord, that as big as the God you are, as, as, as amazing, that you're a God that breathes stars into life, as the psalmist says, you create galaxies and mountains and oceans, and yet you're able to step into eternity to see beings as small as we are. And you're so, in this desperate, desire to contact contact us and let us know there's a way of salvation there's a way back to your father there's a way back to the creator and it's through the son of god jesus christ lord i thank you for everybody who's here today god everybody who who is bold enough to raise their hand and make that commitment lord i pray that your love that transcends all understanding god is able to surpass any wounds that they might that, 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 that they might have they might have felt that have kept love from entering into their heart, God. I pray for new life to be born out of the love that we've received because of your son, Jesus. And God, we thank you for what you've done in our own life, God. And and, and we make a commitment in this place to walk out of here sharing the same love that you have loved us with. As impossible as it seems, Jesus said, I have loved you the way the Father has loved me. It's inconceivable, God, but you have made it possible because of your Holy Spirit. So I pray we go out and love unconditionally, unfathomably, 
relentlessly, ridiculously, and foolishly, God, because that's who you are. We thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. The band's going to lead us out into a song. Altars are open.